0: We are so glad that you have joined us today. We have an absolutely fascinating show today. We have with us Katie Cox, who is a researcher at the Australian National University, and she is tackling a very interesting topic because she believes that popular stories really do reflect what we're thinking about, our fears, and what is going on in our in our culture and world? So currently, she's writing her dissertation on post 9/11 national security, but as depicted in Marvel's Iron Man film trilogy. And so, Katie, I'd love to welcome you to our show and really delve into this very interesting topic. Welcome.
1: Hi, Linda. It's such an honor to have the opportunity to speak to you all today. I'm very excited to... And discuss my research and what it could mean to people. Well, I think that often using popular culture to reflect
0: the events of today is a very good way to reach and connect with people, because often research can be very dry. This is clearly <laughs> not a dry way of attacking this problem. And, and I have to ask, how are you in Australia working on American culture? <laughs> well, I think
1: it's a really interesting topic, actually. Um, but one of the great things about American popular culture and one of the really interesting things is that it has such a wide global reach. Mm-hmm. So what we find, especially in Australia, um, is that American popular culture um, really influences our national conversations so that happens in the political sphere as well, of course. Um, but in terms of popular culture, you know, the movies we see, so many of them are American movies, and that influences the way that we think about the world as well. Um, so I think it's really interesting to study from an Australian perspective, um, partly because it's, you know, it's useful to, to think about um, the, the way that America influences the world, now that is a um, that is a topic unto itself. I mean,
0: that, <laughs> that, that's a huge one because I think we often forget. What is the metaphor about the butterfly wings can cause a tsunami oh. somewhere else? I, I think yep. the ripple effect um, is not always recognized by mm-hmm. Americans. They perhaps we we are a little too insular sometimes. But I'm very intrigued by. I guess I never really thought about it in specifics, about how American culture does really delve all over the world and does have a global reach. And I th- think it's very fascinating that you chose 9-11 as a historical flashpoint. I mean, obviously, most everyone I know remembers exactly where they were and what they were doing at the time the towers went down in the Pentagon and Pennsylvania. And I think that was
1: a, a fearful time.
0: For the whole world, would you agree with that
1: absolutely um, i I remember it really well, uh, and in fact that's one of the reasons why it was the flashpoint for my analysis mm-hmm. um, is that it is such a memorable moment. Um, I was eight years old, and uh, I remember very vividly. Coming downstairs in the morning and seeing my parents in front of the TV. And this was a big thing. We, we never watched TV in the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were standing in front of TV and I had never seen them with the expressions, with those expressions on their faces. I'd never seen them so scared and serious and sober. And I remember on the school bus that morning, um, I live in Canberra, which is the, the capital, and mm-hmm. my primary school was near all of the embassies. And I remember all of the other children terrified, saying, we're near the American embassy, we're going to be next. Um, mm-hmm. And it was just such a memorable moment, because it was the first time that I, as a child, and I think all of my my friends as well mm-hmm, had mm-hmm. really felt fear uh, and fear over something that you had
0: zero control over.
1: Mm. Yes, and I think that's one of the hallmarks of nine eleven mm-hmm. uh, is that it's it was a traumatic intrusion into everyday life mm-hmm. that the average person absolutely have no control over. And that's really difficult to deal with emotionally on an individual level, but also on a national level. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of the events that unfolded from 9-11, um, it's useful to look at them in that light.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and that's one of the reasons why I've come to popular culture, because it's a great way to look at the emotional impact uh, of a political and military uh, event Mm -hmm. because that's something that is alluded to in political discourse and political analysis. But in terms of the impact on everyday people or people on the ground, Mm -hmm. um, people who maybe aren't at that decision-making level but still have to deal with it intimately on a day-to-day basis, our stories really what reflects that, I think. Well, and stories are what we pass down.
0: And stories, (laughs) the oral culture, I I don't think has ever gone away. Perhaps it's trying to be replaced by digital media and social media. But I think in families and, and among friendships, it's still the stories that make us feel. And mm. and isn't it Maya Angelou who said people won't remember what you said or what you did, but they will remember the way you made them feel? Well, the yes. same thing goes for experiences that are beyond our comprehension at the time, but do mm-hmm. settle in. I do remember one of the commentators on television saying, life as we know it has changed. Yes.
1: Yes, absolutely. It in a way, I think, and this is going to sound um, a little bit odd, so I'll explain it. Um, right. In a lot of ways, I think nine eleven um, was apocalyptic, mm-hmm. um, and I don't mean that in the sense of no, I, I agree uh, with you, world ending. But in terms of the shattering of an era and yes. the introduction of something new, a the new time, a life. Yes,
0: yes, I mean, because that's and, what I look
1: at it is is that innocence lost. Absolutely. And now, if you look at the historical dynamics, um, Mm -hmm. there's a clear narrative that continues um, through, you know, the history of the Middle East Mm -hmm. um, through past nine eleven. So, in in that sense, um, there's no real break. But in terms of the stories we tell ourselves, in terms of the way that we feel about our place in the world, Mm -hmm. nine eleven marks a rupture. Very well put. Thank you. <laughs> well, you're welcome. But, but I, I think
0: that the world tends to go on mm-hmm. no matter what. Um, anything that happens traumatic in your own life, you wake up the next day and you say, how can the sun be shining? How can people be walking around doing the same things? I think after this one, it was not individualistic. It was the whole world took note of such tragic violence and it was not directed at a single person it didn't feel at all random and it obviously was not and let's segue then into how you chose to use Iron Man and mm-hmm. the trilogy as as a foil for discussing this enormous topic I'm, I'm really fascinated how you chose to do that well but it it makes sense now that I think about it but I don't know that I would have put the two
1: together well a lot of people don't initially and I didn't originally either um I started out as I think a lot of scholars do by looking at Captain America because Captain America um is you know very Mm -hmm. clearly a symbol for um all of the aspirational ideals of American culture. Mm -hmm. Um, So it turns out that Captain America has been really extensively studied. And so I thought, okay, well, who else could I look at? Um, And around that time, I was rewatching the Marvel Cinematic Universe. um, Because certainly at that time, DC hadn't brought out any movies yet. Mm -hmm. um, In their new extended universe, Um, I was thinking about Chris Nolan Batman movie, um, because it deals with surveillance, you know, Mm -hmm. um, but I was rewatching Iron Man three and I want to talk a bit more about Iron Man three because I think uh, maybe a little bit later, because I think it's a fascinating movie, um, for lots of reasons. Um, but the thing that struck me about it was the way that, uh, Iron Man experiences trauma and, particularly experiences trauma after an event in a previous movie, mm-hmm. which to me is really reminiscent of 9-11. Right. So in the first Avengers movie, so this happens after the the second, between the second and the third Iron Man movies, uh-huh. um, New York is threatened by an alien invasion. Um, and events build to the point where, uh either the world is going to be destroyed or New York is going to have to be nuked. Um so it's truly apocalyptic.
2: Great um, choices,
1: right? I know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible. Bad um, and, so and worse. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So Iron Man looks at this and he um he decides to risk his life um in order to save everyone. And uh there's a point where he really truly thinks he's going to die and he manages manages to escape in just the nick of time um and of course he succeeds i'm sorry to anyone who hasn't seen the movie that's a bit of a spoiler but several (laughs) years old now right (laughs) (laughs) um but then what's really interesting about that is that uh things don't just go back to normal after the movie he's really truly affected by it and it ripples through the rest uh, of the movie franchise in a really profound way so I thought that would be a really good starting point um to analyze security culture uh, after
0: 9/11 and the changes that had to be made as individuals. I I think this is this is so interesting to me because Again, we tend to forget things after they happen or to take them in stride. And I think what you're showing is that, no, it ripples through everything years and years later. We're going on a break. We'll be right back. We are talking to Katie Cox, and we will continue our discussion. Stay with us. We're Wise Health for Women Radio, and we'll return after these short messages. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert Annette Hammond.
3: It is not a myth that healthy, nutrient dense foods are more expensive than many junk foods. Researchers at the University of Washington found that healthy foods like lean meats and whole grains have increased nearly 30% in the past four years, while soft drinks and candy have only gone up 15%. Since meat is one of the most expensive items that you purchase at the grocery store, it's a good idea to cut back on meat, especially for health reasons. Filling up on fresh fruit and vegetables is a great way to lose weight, keep healthy, and keep food costs down. Eating beneficial, delicious foods keeps you lean, strong, and in good health. It is possible to eat healthy food and keep costs down. Your goal is to lose weight, not money. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. Like us on Facebook at Fitness Minute with Annette Hammond.
0: Welcome back. We're continuing our discussion with Katie Cox. And Katie, right before the break, you talked about security in national security, security in general around the world after 9 and how it changed things. And not only did we all experience fear and concern, and, and it changed our lives in ways that made us more, I'll use my military term, situationally aware. Mm-hmm. Talk about how both good and bad, it made us perhaps a little more mature about the world and the threats around the world, but also how we can be more situationally aware. I'm not sure mm. we were at the time. I think we were often a little
1: bit naive. Mm. Yes, I find security fascinating because on the face of it, um, it seems really self-evident why you would want to be secure, right? Mm-hmm. Um, But the more you dig into it, the more um, slippery the concept starts to become. Right. Because security doesn't just mean safety. Right. Um, It means, well, it turns out it means all sorts of things. Um, One of the uh, preliminary uh, stages I went through in my research um, before I really started looking at superheroes um, was to think about what security promises us. Mm. beyond safety. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think that's that's really important when we're looking at how powerful the concept has become in national discourse. So I went back and I looked at political speeches, states of the union. Um, and what I found was that security almost always appears next to words like freedom mm-hmm. and prosperity and opportunity, which are all aspects of the American dream. Mm -hmm. And so what I am suggesting um, is that security has this emotional power because it's become linked to all of these aspirations um, that are really dear to the American national imagination. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's a double-edged sword. Yes, it is on one hand, it makes, it makes sense. You know, if you want to have a secure life, you know, it's not just about safety. If it were just about safety, then we would wrap, we would wrap ourselves up in cotton wool and never go outside. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, But it means that maintaining security becomes an incredible emotional burden because you're not just guaranteeing safety, you're guaranteeing the hopes and dreams of a nation and so situational awareness, I think that's a really useful, uh, phrase, um, situational awareness becomes really fraught. Um, security, I think, orients you towards threat, um, and, and again, barriers
0: a- and, and things that would save you from threats. I, I mm-hmm. at least that's, it, it does to me when I, mm. when I hear security, I, I think of mm-hmm. gates and, Mm. A castle with a moat. <laughs>
1: mm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you're thinking about, um, the things that could, could hurt you or hurt the things that you want to protect, the things that right. you love. Um, and so that can be, I, I mean, obviously that's necessary when you're facing real and present risks. Mm-hmm. Um, but it can also lead to hypervigilance. Um, Absolutely. and that can be really emotionally taxing. So I think, it's a fascinating concept to look at because it means so much and it places burdens on us that I don't think we're always fully aware of. This is something I find when I talk about security um, to most people. It just means safety. Right. But think about the unintended
0: consequences. Mm-hmm. You have to often give up freedom, some mm-hmm. some freedoms, some privacy and we've experienced that here, obviously, in order to be, quote, safer. I think some measures that have taken place, nobody feels the slightest bit safer. But mm-hmm. there's a check the box beside we we did this. And I'm, I'm referring often to TSA screening at the mm-hmm. airports or uh, don't carry your water bottles on board. Things like that, I'm not certain that I find myself feeling more secure there but but i want to go back to tony stark your main character and can you give just a tiny synopsis of the storyline for those who may not be familiar with this trilogy so that they can follow along you know in in broad brush brush strokes with the premise that you're tying together with the the superhero
1: Sure. Absolutely. Um, he's a fascinating character. Um, so he was created uh, by Stanley uh, in the 60s during the Cold War. Um, and uh, I'll just read out a little quote, first of all, because I think it really mm-hmm. illustrates um the The intentions behind Iron Man as a character mm-hmm. um, just as some backstory. so Lee says I think I gave myself a dare it was the height of the Cold War the readers the young readers if it was one thing they hated it was war it was the military mm-hmm. good start right mm. so I got a hero who represented that to the hundredth degree he was a weapons manufacturer he was providing weapons for the army he was rich he was an industrialist mm-hmm. I thought it would be fun to take the kind of of character that nobody would like none of our readers would like and <laughs> shove him down their throats and make them like him <laughs> and he became very popular oh very popular very popular uh, it, i think well, Robert Downey you, Jr. you wouldn't helped have with that. a
0: trilogy if if it weren't popular
1: <laughs> yeah so iron man in the comics begins life as a weapons developer um, during the vietnam war mm-hmm. so right away he is He's not military, but he's linked to the military. He's not really, he, he's a civilian, but he's not really an ordinary civilian either. Um, and so what the Marvel movies did, so the first one was in 2008, was they took that origin story in Vietnam and they transplanted it, um, to the Middle East, um, in a post 9-11 context. Mm-hmm. So Tony Stark becomes Iron Man, um, when he is kidnapped. Uh, on a visit to the Middle East. So he's out there with the U.S. Army. He's trialing this brand-new weapon system, which is going to be amazing. He uses it to blow up a mountain range in the first couple of shots of the film, just to give you an idea.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, And so he's kidnapped by uh, a terrorist group who wants him to build weapons for them. Um, And obviously he's not really on board with this, um, but he plays along mm-hmm. just long enough so that he can build himself um, a suit, a weapon to escape. Mm-hmm. But it's more complex than that because he's been fatally injured. And so the only thing keeping uh, his heart from stopping is the power core that will, that also powers the suit. Mm-hmm. And so that's the heart of my um, of my analysis of Tony Stark. So the thing that is protecting him, this suit of armor, which is also a weapon is also the thing that is keeping him alive. I think that's a really good metaphor mm-hmm. for security um, because that's what security does for us. Um, it keeps us alive, uh, it keeps us safe, but it also allows us to do more, and on a national sense, but particularly for America, it's uh, it also has a lot to do with, with power projection um, mm-hmm. and with proactive security, and that's one of the things that we see Iron Man doing later in the movie. So once he escapes the terrorists, he gets back home, he thinks, actually, this suit is a great idea, and he perfects um a, a newer version of it he does this throughout all of the films he's constantly tinkering and improving it's very evolving. much like right. evolving yeah very much like the um, you know the american approach to to technology consistent mm-hmm. improvement mm-hmm. Um, to maintain that uh that edge um, we see him uh become a hero. Originally um he's quite a he's quite an egotistical character. Um he's a playboy. Um the tagline is genius playboy um billionaire philanthropist. I think I got the order of those things wrong. But you know, he's he's That'd um, be on your LinkedIn profile, right? <laughs> oh, oh, if someone wants to pay me billions to study Iron Man, i not
0: say no. <laughs> that, that's smart. <laughs> um
1: so, yes, he really evolves over the the course of the series um, because as he comes into contact with threats um as he learns how to protect the people who he loves, mm-hmm. um, he really has to change as a character in order to cope uh, with what with what happens to him um and in order to to better serve the people uh, and the country that he's trying to secure. Well, I think you have said previously
0: that there's extremes. I mean, there are real threats. There are perceived threats. You have to recognize, um, reconcile them, move past the suspicions, because as I mentioned earlier, some things we don't really feel safer with doing, but the real threats do exist. And Mm -hmm. I think terrorists have brought to mind things that we don 't really want to think about I, in America, I think we 're all very, very happy that there are a lot of things that are thwarted mm-hmm. and do not succeed, and we don 't necessarily want to know the details mm-hmm. because we don 't want, and this is maybe just my opinion we we really or i don't want. I don't want copycat people. I don't want this to be glommed onto. So I'm very happy if security is provided and we are indeed safe. But it doesn't it doesn't make the fears go away. And I think our deepest hopes and fears are often reflected in popular culture as you are addressing today.
1: Absolutely. Um, and you're not alone there. Um, it's been shown before that increased security measures, the visible ones, actually make people feel less safe. Mm-hmm. Um, because if you see uh, that there are, you know, police, for instance, nearby, mm-hmm. um, then that tells you something's wrong. Oh, oh, it's a red flag. Yes, mm-hmm. it is. So uh, I think we're really uh, what we're seeing with popular culture and Iron Man in particular is a response to that atmosphere. And it is not inconceivable to think
0: that there is true, truly fearful things that do go on.
1: Uh, Would you agree? Yes, absolutely. Um, and Marvel, uh, responds to that. Um, there are, as you say, real threats. Um, but there are also perceived threats. And mm-hmm. that's one of the reasons why I wanted to come back to, to Iron Man, um, and talk about Age of Ultron as well, which is the, the second okay. Avengers movie, which follows on, because that shows the contrast between those two, mm-hmm. uh, categories of threats. Real and perceived. And the different ways. Yeah. Right. The different ways in which we, we, Um, react to them and the consequences that that can have. Mm. We are coming up on a second break and I really want to give you
0: more time to talk about that (laughs) because I I think it's really interesting because Mm. perceived, perceived fears still elicit the same physical responses Mm. and the same emotional responses
1: Mm. as real ones. And so I think, go ahead, please talk. Oh, well, how do you know if something is real or perceived until it either happens or it doesn't mm-hmm. so it's it 's difficult it 's a very difficult judgment call to make
0: It is a difficult judgment call, and I think that there is the situational awareness as we talked about and understanding what we are able to prevent or at least ameliorate, versus that which is truly outside of our control. We're going to go on a quick break. We will continue talking with Katie Cox after the break. This will be a short one, and I am really intrigued by this mix of popular culture and security. We'll be right back. Don't go away. We're Wise Health for Women Radio, and we'll return after these short messages.
1: It's words you've never
2: heard. When I was growing up in Wisconsin, no matter how frigid it was outside, my Uncle Bob never seemed to get cold. He would come in from the snow wearing a t-shirt and remark how fresh it was outside. Then again, folks from Wisconsin are a pretty hearty bunch. As America's official dairy state, the cows have been known to give ice cream instead of milk when the temperatures drop. What's a word for a giant snowball that is formed by rolling a smaller one through a field of snow? dog. Megla is an old Scots word meaning to trudge laboriously through the snow. And mufflements is an old Lancashire word for thick, warm, insulating clothes and gloves. Don't forget that you shouldn't try and send text messages if you're standing out in the cold. It can lead to typothermia. I'm Carolyn Davidson and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond.
3: A common food myth is that bread will make you fat. The truth is quite the opposite. If you eat the right kinds of breads and other grains, you can actually lose weight. The fiber found in whole grain foods helps slow digestion, keeping you fuller, longer. True whole grain bread products will have whole grain or whole wheat flour as the first ingredient. If you see anything else, it is not what you want to eat, even though it may save wheat. A study in the American Journal of Clinical Nutrition found that overweight people who acquired all of their grain servings from whole grains lost more belly fat than those who skipped the whole grains. You should still avoid refined grains like enriched flour, but a moderate amount of whole grain bread can be a great asset to a balanced diet. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond.
0: Welcome back. Katie, before the break, we were talking about perceived and real threats and how they do still elicit a a very strong mind-body connection reaction or response. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about the – you talked about the first of the trilogy. Let's talk Mm -hmm. briefly about the second one because that one addresses a real threat.
1: Mm -hmm. Yes. So the second Iron Man movie um, is – uh, really, you know, in some ways, it's an exploration of of, of hubris. Um, Iron Man is uh, on top of the world. Um, he is a hero now. Um, he's revealed his identity to the world, um, but there is, of course, a threat brewing. Um, so this movie is interesting uh, because it uh, it's an internal threat, um, unlike the the first movie, which um, plays off. Um, a kind of conspiracy between domestic american um a domestic american villain and um terrorist connections. Um the second movie is quite uh internally focused um as well. So this um movie is actually about in some ways it's about um security overreach by the military industrial complex. Mm. Um someone who's taking advantage of the security situation uh, in order to profit. Um and so that's that's the villain that that iron man has to um has to counteract. Exactly. Um, basically, you know, to avoid a kind of takeover of the American military from, from within, um, compromising, um, you know, ethical principles. Um, and so that's, that's a real threat, um, that Iron Man has to face. Um, but in the third movie, um, after Avengers, um, which, again, is an even more real external existential threat, mm-hmm. um, Iron Man is traumatized. And so instead of um, simply responding to uh, the um, external threats um, that are endangering the people he loves, he really starts to he really starts to respond to his trauma in quite a fearful and sometimes paranoid way. Um, so Iron Man three, um, to me is in some ways about PTSD Mm -hmm. and in some ways about the national traumatic response Mm -hmm. to nine 11. Um, so in Iron Man three, um, Iron Man, Tony Stark, um, suffers from panic attacks. Okay. Um, the, for most of the film, the, uh, the plot for the villain kind of plays out in the background. It plays out in the media. Um, it touches on Tony's life. Um, but his primary concern is battling his own demons. Mm-hmm. Um, because he is just struck by flashbacks. Um, by moments of fear, moments of vulnerability, and I think that's really important um, because it shows uh, it's, it's it's great representation. Mm-hmm. Um, first of all, it is. You know, it's great to see a reflection of this heroic, powerful person feeling vulnerable, um, and to see his family dealing with that as well. Um, there's a there's a scene in Iron Man's um in which he has a flashback uh, in bed, um, and his girlfriend tries to uh, to comfort him to that's wake him gym. up right yeah um but he he calls the suit in his sleep before he notices and Mm -hmm. um you know it doesn't there's no violence um Mm -hmm. but uh it's it's quite a scary moment of you know he thinks he's in danger and it shows how difficult it is for her to um, to give him support while maintaining her own emotional health. Um, and so I think that's a really interesting moment. That was a little bit of a tangent, but I thought it was in, it was important to mention. Um, but it has the reason I bring it up is that it has lasting consequences. So this film sets up the conflict. Um, for the second Avengers film in which the perceived, the idea of the perceived threat really comes to a head um, because the villain in Avengers Age of Ultron is a villain that Iron Man creates. And he does mm-hmm. so because he is terrified of the next threat. So he's gone through four movies at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and in every single movie there has been some uh, catastrophic threat Um, to either the country or in the last Avengers movie, the world. Um, And every time it's put his life in danger, it's put his friends in danger, it's put his family in danger, they've barely made it out. And so in Age of Ultron, he decides that he's going to make himself redundant. He's going to create um, a defense network that will encircle the planet um, and prevent any more alien invasions, for instance, Mm -hmm. um, or supervillains from arising. Um, What he doesn't anticipate is that the defense system might actually attain sentience and decide Uh the best way to protect the world, um, is to, uh, eradicate humanity. Mm. Um, you know, this is a classic kind of Frankenstein story, um, where the creator loses control of the creation. Um, but what I think is really interesting, um, is that it's a case of, um, uh, it's it's almost a knee jerk overreaction. Like I don't want to trivialize it, but it's a pendulum uh, because... swing, don't you
0: think? Yeah, it it's is. It's an emotional pendulum swing because there is cause and effect, mm-hmm. and and it swings uh, too wide at, at certain points, but it does come back to middle eventually, and and I think that this also, if I if I may offer this, was also reflective of the culture at the time Mm -hmm. that each of these movies came out because we were seeing repercussions of, of trauma Mm -hmm. and aftermath. Mm -hmm. And um, I fear that there are too many assumptions made about PTSD, but Mm -hmm. trauma is trauma and there are effects. And by bringing it out this way, it was actually a very effective, sensitive way of bringing Mm -hmm. out the fact that vulnerability is real and Mm -hmm. that healing is also possible. Mm -hmm. And, And so keep, keep going. I mean, this is very interesting.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. Um, certainly about PTSD. Um, there was a big discussion about it at the time actually, and quite a few psychologists weighed in on it and discussed whether or not it was an accurate representation. Right. Um, but the big thing that came out of that was the agreement that it started a conversation, um, which is healthy. Yeah. And it normalized vulnerability, Mm -hmm. which is just so important. Um, and, it's really the first step to working out how we as a society deal with trauma, both on an individual level um, and as a community. Yeah. Um, so I think the, on the national level and in terms of, um, the, you know, the kind of, the, the atmosphere that you, that you note, um, Iron Man 3 comes out in 2013 mm-hmm. and Avengers, Age of Ultron, uh, was released, uh, in 2015. So you're right. These, the, we're seeing a, um, a building sense of, dis- uh, the war is dragging on. Right.
0: And, and the after effects of combat yeah. are are being seen. Um, again, I, 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 am not, I work with a lot of military families, and mm. I'm simply not going to encapsulate PTSD as the same for everyone. If you know one All person right. with PTSD, you know one person with PTSD. <laughs> <Exactly>. uh,
1: yeah, <laughs>
0: but, I, but I do think that uh, the way you're tying together popular mm. culture with the current events of the time – is a fascinating way to take a look internally. Because you mentioned the self-awareness, and I Mm. I fear that sometimes we don't have enough self-awareness to realize, okay, let me stop and hit the pause button for a moment. And what do I feel? Oh, Mm. that's a little bit of fear. Okay, is it real or perceived? Because Mm -hmm. our brain, if if our brains feel it is real, it will go out seeking evidence to prove us Mm -hmm. correct. But if it's not... It's it's a reason why the discussion of mental fitness is so important because perception can change your reality and your choices.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And I think that's a great point um, that, uh, you know, experience of trauma, experience of everything is different for everyone. Um, And that's why I like popular culture and especially fantasy and science fiction Mm -hmm. as a way of opening up a discussion because using – You know, using the imagination, using fantastic elements as a metaphor for these things, in some ways it it generalises it. Um, so if you don't see, so you're no longer just relating to another individual character with idiosyncrasies. Um, you're relating to a symbol. Mm -hmm. Um, and there's power in, in metaphor. Um, that means, uh, I think that it's relatable to a more, a more general audience. Oh, I absolutely agree,
0: and it, it is interesting, again, that you talk about uh, the, the security aspects and the vulnerability aspects. All of it is important, but I think you also are putting it into perspective for people.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it's um You know, a a lot of the, the scholarship on security, you know, in the, in the academic literature, um, kind of falls into two camps. You have the, um, the operational side of it. So looking Mm -hmm. at how you actually implement it, risk Mm -hmm. analysis, that sort of thing. And then you have the critical, more philosophically informed, Mm -hmm. um, critiques of security. And often I find that those critiques of security, um, are, are really quite harsh. Um, and one of the things I want to do with my research is to highlight, um, the reasons why people seek security. Um, you know, it's not just this kind of all consuming behemoth that politicians use to justify anything. (laughs) Um, I mean, look, sometimes there's an element of that, right. Mm. But, uh, it's, it's also something that people genuinely desire for good reasons. Um, And we need to recognize that and try to work out how we pursue security in a better way, in a healthier way. Mm -hmm. Um, Because we, it's, I think it's something that we, we need. It's really difficult to envision a world where we stop caring about security. Or each other. Uh, Or each other. Exactly. You know, I think we're always going to want to protect the people that we love. Um, The problem is of course that some of the ways in which we do that can sometimes wear us down Mm -hmm. um and that's what we see in in superhero movies Mm -hmm. we see it wear them down as they deal with constant crisis um and so that suggests that we see as the public that something's not working that something needs to, Mm -hmm. to change well, just look
0: at how trauma workers, paramedics, etc., are worn out mm. after a, a even short careers based on traumatic events that they witness and tend to and I, I think we 're aware of it, but I think sometimes the appreciation needs to be voiced again I, mm. which i will I will always say thank you to those who run toward danger, not away from it um, absolutely but we're coming up on our final break of the program and I want to make sure that we have enough time to continue this discussion so we will go quickly on the break and come right back discussing more with Katie Cox and popular culture with the Iron Man Film Trilogy. We'll be right back. We're Wise Health for Women Radio and we'll return after these short messages.
2: Traditions vary around the world. Citizens of Finland visit the sauna on Christmas Eve. And listen to the national piece of Christmas radio broadcast. Norway is the birthplace of the Yule log cake. And in Greece, many people believe in goblins that cause mischief during the 12 days of Christmas. Captain John Smith drank the first eggnog in his 1607 Jamestown settlement. Nog comes from the word grog, which refers to any drink made with rum. Since Christmas arrives in Australia in the middle of summer, Jingbangs or crowds of Aussies celebrate at the beach with beer and Skittles. This is the time each year where we have to climb up to the sky parlor or attic to fetch our Christmas lights. What's the word for decorating till we're about to collapse? Flip-flop us. It's marching I'm Carolyn Davidson and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app to Funny for Words. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond.
3: Do you enjoy push-ups, lunges, crunches, and pull-ups? Does a workout full of intense mix of strength training and aerobic elements thrill you? If you like vigorous workouts with bursts of forceful activity alternated with intervals of lighter activity, check out boot camps in your area. Boot camps are popping up everywhere, from parks to schools to YMCAs. The popularity of this workout is building, and more Americans are heading to boot camps for their fitness. The Mayo Clinic reports that the average exerciser burns approximately 9.8 calories per minute during a typical boot camp workout, which makes it a good activity if you're trying to lose weight. It also helps with endurance. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. Visit our Facebook fan page at Fitness Minute with Annette Hammond.
0: Welcome back. We are going to talk further about Katie Cox and, and her wonderful way of blending popular culture, politics, and stories with our deepest hopes and fears into the depiction of post-911 national security with the Iron Man film trilogy. I've I've said that a a number of times, but I still marvel, no pun intended, (laughs) at the way this, this does tie together so beautifully. And Katie, can you talk about how this is kind of an interesting way for families to share the culture, security, the need for things, good versus evil, in a way that people can understand and as a
1: family engagement event. Does that make sense to you? It does, yeah. Um, Look, superhero movies in particular, but comics as well, um, are a fantastic way, I think, to share um, and to engage with um, really difficult issues. Uh, because, you know, superhero movies appeal to to kids. Um, so immediately they're bright and colourful um, and uh, easy to watch. Um, but they raise some difficult issues uh, in interesting ways that you can then talk about. Um, but they're also, I think, fascinating for adults as well because they don't shy away from the Deep issues that mm-hmm. we all face. Mm-hmm. Um, what they do uh, is to partly package them as entertainment. And look, that sounds trivializing, um, but it's not. Entertainment is so important to us. I agree. It really, yeah, it, it, it is one of the most important things. It's in actually education. Yeah,
0: it, yeah. Because, because it is education, it is information, it is. Passing on a message and it does provoke thought. But you're right about adults and youth mm. seeing and getting different messages from the same thing, which
1: often opens up a conversation. It does, um, and even um, between families as well, and uh, mm-hmm. in terms of broader community, um, popular popular movies um, are a, a national conversation. Mm. I think this is a really interesting way to look at popular film. Um, you know, it's they're not just uh popcorn. I mean they are, and that's great, right? Mm-hmm. Because we we need some joy in our lives. We do. Um, but they're also something that's shared across a really diverse range of people. Um, and so I think it's a way to open up a conversation within your own family mm-hmm. um, and with yourself as well, because I think one of the great things um, about popular culture and stories in general is that they help us reflect on our own position mm-hmm. on particular issues. But then to bring that into conversation with other people in your life, in your community, um, and to share um, a conversation that's ongoing within the nation and now the world. As well, because Definitely. of course I'm talking to you from Australia, <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, it's really they're really influential here um, and and elsewhere as well. So if we're talking about films reflecting our anxieties, our hopes, um, I mean that's a process that evolves. Um, mm-hmm. You know, our hopes and anxieties now are not the same as when Iron Man was first created back in the '60s. Um, there are common themes and I think that's really interesting, but, uh, it's also really, really current and really topical. And so that, that's something that you can get involved in. That's something that you can change if you want. Um, but even just on a personal level, there's a lot of value in just enjoying stories that resonate with you. Right. And, and that's why I brought up the children and the, and
0: the parents and the conversations, because I think as connected as we are these days, we are often not engaged
2: mm-hmm. at
0: a one-on-one level in, in many mm-hmm. ways. And I know parents lament that with their children, but this is mm-hmm. a marvelous way to open mm-hmm. up conversations that may not happen uh, on a different yeah. level, but I, I think that this is an absolutely fascinating way of bringing in even, let's go back to basics, good and evil. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, the, it, It's an interesting thing to engage the family because the more you can participate in a discussion and the more that children realize they're being heard and listened to, mm-hmm. you know, as we know, listening and being heard are two different things. But it is a very healthy way to foment conversation. And and
1: I I love the way that you've done this. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, an easy, uh, I I, I will admit, um, I, uh, I don't, I, I I didn't know very many, um, I don't know very many families with kids at the moment. And one of the, uh, I I worked in a bookshop for a little while and had to talk to lots and lots of children, um, Mm -hmm. which was not something I was used to. And, you know, the easiest question to ask a child mm-hmm. just about is, who is your favorite superhero? Right. And that is a really interesting question because, as you say, it opens up all of these questions about what it means to be a hero, what mm-hmm. it means to do good, what it means to, to, to be evil and how to how to fight that. Mm-hmm. Um, and superheroes give you a wide range of models, for what it means to be a hero. Um, But they're often extreme versions, you know,
0: extremely good, extremely bad. And then Mm -hmm. I think what's fascinating to me are the the devious ones in the middle, where Mm -hmm. you actually learn that things are not always as they seem, Mm -hmm. which is a valuable life lesson. It is.
1: Yeah. Well, Iron Man is a good example, um, Mm -hmm. because in a lot of ways, he's deeply unlikable you know mm-hmm. he's he's quite he's he's arrogant mm-hmm. um he's flippant um he's you know he's he's a bit of a playboy as i as i said so you can you can talk about um respect uh you know in in terms mm-hmm. of treatment of women for example you can talk about um you can talk about ego. You can talk about um, pride, and um, and how how you can navigate those things. How you can be a flawed person, and this is important. How you can be a flawed person and still do good in the world, and how you can strive to be better. That you just said a lot,
0: because <laughs> I, I think we are all flawed, and I, I mm-hmm. think that you know we go through the pendulum swing again, where everyone is perceived as it all good. All bad and, and really we are filled with nuance and mm. everybody's very different in their nuances, which of course to me is why it's so interesting to talk to people because mm. you receive the, a different perspective than your own, which brings more open discourse into the world, which can often be very yeah. uncivilized, very polarizing <laughs> and and yeah. it's it you can't escape it anymore I, no. you really cannot so i want to make sure that we haven't missed out on any of the broad brushstrokes strokes of of what you're trying to achieve here is there something i haven't asked you that you would like to share with our listeners um
1: oh i think actually we've we've covered the broad strokes pretty well. Um, my main aim, what I really wanted to talk about um, coming on here, um, was to recognize the uh, the immense emotional effort that it takes to keep the world safe, which is something that I'm sure your listeners mm-hmm. um, are all intimately familiar with. Mm-hmm. Um, and I suppose, as you say, I'd like to introduce some, some nuance into the discussion um, mm-hmm. to recognize that even where – um, mistakes or missteps are made on the national level, for instance, in terms of security, um, that there are really good people working to do the best that they can. And I want to recognise that while mm-hmm. also um you know, while, while also acknowledging that there are things that can be done better. And I think that's the only way forward because, as you say, when the discussion is so polarising, mm-hmm. it becomes an us-versus-them dynamic um, and that is not at all conducive to productive social change, mm-hmm. which is what I'd really like to see. I think that's what we'd all like to see. Um, it's just a matter of working out how to get there. Well, so,
0: America loves... Second chances. Americans love mm. the resurrection of of someone who was flawed in this way, mm. who can come back. I I I I truly believe that that's a national um, mm. theme. A second chances, resurrection, mm. um, rising from the ashes. Pick your metaphor, mm. but I I think it is interesting to to bring that in. Um, do you agree with that?
1: Absolutely. And look, look at superheroes, you know, they come back all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, they are constantly getting second chances, resurrecting mm-hmm. um, after catastrophe. And that's mm-hmm. one of the reasons why so many people call them modern American mythology, because yes. they endure no matter what the world throws at them. They, you know, they may be hurt. They may be vulnerable. They may struggle, but they get back up and they keep going. Well, and those traits that you're talking
0: about, flaws, um, injuries, vulnerabilities, those are what make us human. Mm. Superheroes have this element of being superhuman. Mm-hmm. But it, it I think it's lovely that it is woven into here that these human traits are mm. very much within these stories because people relate to people mm. who are like – If someone has had a panic attack, when Tony has a panic attack, they can relate to that. Mm -hmm. If someone has a fear that is out, they can. If someone has achieved a victory, that's Mm -hmm. also a a positive point of connection, which Mm -hmm. in the end to me, communication and connection, engagement, is is what really makes us interact as human beings and, and make progress, as you said. So take one last stab at where you want your dissertation to go in terms of change in the world? I would really like
1: people to think about what it means to be secure. So think about what security looks like to you. What do you want from it? And what's the best way to achieve it? Because that's not going to be the same for everyone. Mm -mm. And I think you really have to understand what it is that you want in order to understand what cost you're willing to pay. Mm-hmm. And in order to step back as well when the effort of achieving your desired outcome becomes painful, because sometimes sometimes that happens. Um, to take care of yourself and to take care of the people you love. And that doesn't always look like um security logic. It doesn't always look like mm-hmm. situational awareness and hypervigilance. Um sometimes it does, but sometimes it involves watching a superhero movie, having some fun, (laughs) talking to your family um, and experiencing all the joy and positivity that life really has. You know, it really
0: does. And and I have to thank you for the joy this morning, because I've enjoyed this conversation immensely. And I think it will be of enormous value to our listeners. And you will be coming out with a website soon and I will add it to the show notes once you have it but Katie Cox thank you for sharing your dissertation the progress you've made and really I think the change you're going to make in the world thank you so much for sharing that with us today
1: thank you so much for having me it's been an absolute joy a pleasure
0: Thank you for tuning in today. You can find more shows at wisehealthforwomenradio.com. Innovation divas really know the who, what, and why of inventing, and love that they can share their knowledge connection.